Good morning. Sorry about the sunline down the middle of our screen. We can blame the time change, right? Oh, you love the sunline. All right, sweet. Well, cool. <laughs> if you like the sunline, then way to go, sunline, right? Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> Well, good morning and welcome. Uh, my name is Ray, one of the pastors serving alongside you here at New City, and glad that you're with us today as we're walking through this series called For the Next. And uh, maybe you noticed as it was rotating through that it was stopping on three different words, stopping on you, stopping on family, and stopping on city. And so last week we talked about this idea of for the next you. So what does God have for you next? What's he asking you to step into? And how are you adjusting your life in such a way that you are ready to move forward in what he has for you? And so today we're going to change that a little bit. We're going to zoom out, if you will, to this idea of what that looks like for family and the growth of the family. All right. Now, here's the thing. Your family is not necessarily what we're talking about, like your immediate family. All right. We're not talking about new brothers and sisters for you in your family, but we're talking about new brothers and sisters in the family of God and the family of God that you're a part of, but also this family here, this church family that you're a part of as well, and what that looks like for us as the next thing that God has for us as a church family, all right? So here's my, my, kind of my first question for you. Have you ever met somebody, and you sit down with them, and they begin to tell you their story or kind of what's going on in their life, and you're just like, man, you just need some good church friends. Now, notice I didn't say you need just some good friends, right? But you need some good church friends. Now, what do I mean by church friends? Here's what I mean by church friends, all right? Are those people that can come around them and be like family to them. Well, you say, well, I have friends that are like family. That's great. But there is something different about a church family than there is any other family that we have. It's a unique dynamic that we get to experience. And so when we talk about this idea of church community or church family, we here at New City want to kind of have a foundational word of communitas. You're like, okay, what's communitas, right? Well, it's a fancy Latin word that means unity or community, all right, or togetherness, okay? It's up here on the screen. So it's a group, you can, a group, it's a group in which people are equal or to, are in the very spirit of community, right? So we want to center ourselves around communitas, but also we want to center ourselves around Church answer. Jesus. There we go. All right. So we want to center ourselves around Jesus. That's the other thing that makes our church family unique. Okay. And so when we look at each other in this way of being equal with each other and equal with Jesus, then we look at each other as equal. Right. Like it puts us in a place where we say, okay, I'm in need of a savior. You're in need of a savior. Guess what? We're both in need of a savior and we're equally in need of a savior. In our brokenness, that brings us together. Romans 6, or uh, excuse me, 3.23 says, all have fallen short of the glory of God, right? Each and every one of us in this room have fallen short. We are, sh we're short. And so we are equal in that, right? We're equal in our need for Christ and in him. So Diedrich Bonhoeffer, he's a ministry leader in Germany during the time of the Nazi movement, Nazi takeover, if you will. He says this, he says, our here he said this to his congregation. He said, our community with one another consists solely in what Christ has done for both of us. 
right, for both of us, not just for me and not just for you, but what Christ has done for both of us. Now, here's the thing. This is where community begins to exist, all right, is in what Christ has done for us. Like, let's look at that as the foundation, all right? So on Wednesday nights, we're walking through uh, this Living in Community city group, and we're talking about what does community look like. And in that book, he starts with this understanding that that we all seek lesser things that God gives us life in. We all seek lesser things. But here's the thing. When we do that, we will quickly find that it's a failed pursuit. Right? So let me give you some examples. If we, the money will never be enough. All right? Your son or daughter will never be perfect. The new car will lose its luster or get a scratch. Or the first week you own it, one of your children will spill a milkshake in it. Not that that's Well, maybe that is personal experience. Anyway, or the addiction will let you down, right? The pill or the drink will let you down. The newness of your relationship will wear off. Your spouse will eventually mess up. You see, all of those things are broken. But here's the thing, all right? When we worship God and we worship God alone, he not only draws us to himself, but also towards unity with one another. And this is how authentic community has begun to be built, right? in this pursuit together. So, as Bonhoeffer puts it, right, the community is only as strong as what it's built upon. So that's what makes our church family, our church community, different than the other, is that we're built upon that thing of Christ, okay? So, let's go back to our study that we did a couple weeks ago in Ephesians for just a second, all right? In Ephesians 4, I'm going to turn there. Let's go ahead and turn there, if you have your Bibles. Let's turn to Ephesians 4. And in verse 1, he says this. He says, Therefore, I, a prisoner of the Lord, this is Paul speaking, okay, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness and with patience, accepting one another in love, diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. So what's he urging them to do, right? We kind of broke this down when we walked through it a couple weeks ago, but look what he's asking them to do. He's urging them to be humble and gentle and patient and accept one another in this thing of love, right? But then he's also urging them to keep the unity of the Spirit. All of those things, he's asking them to do that. Why? Because it binds us. It binds us. It brings us together, and it brings us together as family. Now, when we look at that idea of love, right, he says accepting one another in love. Here's another word that we can kind of think through of the way of love, all right? Mercy. We have mercy for one another. And mercy not only shows up in our life, but it also brings our past together in a unified destination, right? So when we have mercy for each other, we see in one another this need, okay? So look here. Let's turn over to Romans 12, verse 1, real quick. It's also going to be on the screen. And it says this, it says, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is spiritual worship. And then he goes on about not being conformed to this age, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? But look what he says again there. He says, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, it starts with a therefore. So what does Paul just shared. He, well, he sh- he's just shared this hymn of praise, right? Like how great God is and what he's done for him. And then he says, okay, by that, because of that, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. 
Now, I've always heard this or thought of this as in, 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 excuse me, in an individual sense. Like for me personally. But I read a commentary this week where he said, okay, now think of that and apply that to the church family or body. If we were to, if we were to uh, present our body as a living sacrifice. Wow, doesn't that put us on the same mission then? Right? It puts us on the same mission as a church in what he is asking us to do. Now, here's the thing. If we think of mercy for one another, okay, let's think of mercy uh, in this way. God's unrelenting compassion for us. So if we have mercy for one another, if we have unrelenting compassion for one another, man, wouldn't that be a church family and a body that you would want to be a part of? Where you can step into this place and know that you are safe and that people are not judging, right? Now, he's talking to those people, and he gives this hymn of praise, all right? And he says, offer your bodies. Now, in the book uh, that we're reading through in our, in our Life and Community group, the fellow, Dustin Willis, that wrote it is from Georgia, all right? So he's got southern roots. And so he said, all right, think about this verse from a southern standpoint for just a minute, all right? So it would read like this. In light of God's mercies, y'all should offer your bodies, Right? Like, y'all, you all is what that is. Southerners, we try to combine that and make it two words, or take the two words and make it one, right? Like, look, in light of God's mercy, y'all should offer your bodies. So everyone should be offering their bodies together and working together for a common purpose. And in turn, here's what that does. It deepens our community. So now we have this foundation of need for Jesus, right? And then we have this common purpose and deepens that. And then as we continue on, look what this community begins to look like, all right? So let's go back to our buddy for a second, our friend. And they've told us this story, and we're like, okay, you need some community. You need somewhere to be a part of. You need a family. But what, again, differentiates us from the country club or the buddies at the bar or the folks that we watch the football game with or all those different things? What makes the church friends unique? What makes a church community different? What makes Jesus-centered community different? Well, let's start with what it's not. All right. So when we talk about community and a Christ-centered community, all right, we're not talking about that we need to all go in on one house and live together, right? Like that's not the community we're talking about. Okay, we don't need to all wear the same robes and drink Kool-Aid and all those fun things. Like that's not the community we're talking about. But we're also not talking about this superficial Sunday gathering where everything is perfect in everybody's life when we come together and then we just go home to our own little messes. That's not the type of community we're talking about either. We're talking about a community that is real and is encouraging and is a place that you want to be a part of, right? And when we think of for the next person that steps into that community, that would be a place that they would want to be a part of and a place that they would feel at home. Because here's the thing, biblical community is ultimately the gift of a rich and challenging life together and one that we need and can receive joy within. Over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, in verse 22, the writer says this. He says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water, right? So that's what Jesus has done for us. Now look here. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works. 
Let's be concerned about one another, right? Let's have actual genuine concern for each other and the things that are going on in the other's life. Not just ours, but in the other's life as well. And what does that do? It promotes love and good works. Now, here's the cool thing about this. If we take this verse a little further, love has a name, right? And that name is Jesus. So what does that do? It promotes Jesus and good works. Man, you see that? But it all starts with what? That concern for one another. Now, here's the thing. If we were a community that's concerned for one another, we have a shared mission and purpose, right? And we have this understanding of what Christ has done. That's a pretty awesome community to begin to be a part of. Now, here's the thing. When we look at different churches, right? Different churches have different missions and different ideas of of what they are to do. Because why? Because as we talked about in Ephesians, each church is uniquely created and knitted together by Christ himself, right? Like the people that are here, Christ has brought them here for a purpose and a reason to be a part of this body right here, right? So what does that look like for us as a family? Well, here's a couple things that I want to give you this morning. If you're taking notes, now's the time to put pen to paper, all right? So here we go. First one is we want to, again, be a family of encouragement, right? We want to be a family of encouragement. We see it right there in Hebrews. Let us be concerned with one another and to promote love and good works. But we want to encourage every person that steps into this place, right? Like my desire is that people come into this place and they're so encouraged by the people that are here and the love of Jesus that we have that, man, they go home and go, wow, those people were crazy, eerily encouraging, Like, wouldn't that be a community that you'd want to be a part of? A family that you'd want to be a part of? One that is encouraging you in that way. The next one is that we desire to be a family of transformation. All right? A family of transformation. So, here's the thing. This is discipleship language that we use, right? Seeing transformation in your life. What does transformation mean? Transformation is change. Right? It's change in your life. Because here's the thing. When we begin to see change in our lives, then that makes the church come alive. Right? It changes how we attend church. This is not, no longer just, hey, I'm going to come on Sunday and check off my religious duty that I've done for the week. But this is actually something where I'm going to see better for my life. I'm going to see Christ doing something in my life. And there's going to be a place of transformation. But also, here's the other thing that it changes. I'm going to speak some scripture over you here for a second. We are no longer coming, or we, excuse me, we do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, we then count others more important than ourselves. And let each of us look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. You see how that in our lives are changed through that? Right? Because we now care about the other more than ourselves. The next one is this. We are a family of fun. Right? Like if we don't have fun in this, let's have some fun. Right? Let's have some fun. So this past week at our community group or our city group on Wednesday night, we busted out some old videos of me and student ministry and Amanda doing this amazing rework of uh, if you'd be my RN or whatever. Like, it was, it was a great time together. But the thing is that we have fun together, right? And so we have fun on Sunday mornings. We have fun together in this community. Psalm 133 says this. It says, how good and pleasant is it when brothers live together in unity? Like, how good and pleasant is it? Well, it's, it's great, and we can have some fun doing it as well. All right, the next one is this, that we'll be a family of forgiveness, right? A family of forgiveness. Colossians 3, 13 through 14 says, accept one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. 
Just as the Lord forgave you, so must you also forgive. Right? A place of forgiveness. We don't hold grudges against anyone, but we are forgiving in the things that we have and do. The next one is this. And as he continues in Colossians, he says, Above all else, put on love. Right? So we're going to be a family of love. A family that loves one another. Now Jesus told his disciples at one point in their walk together, he says, they will know you by the way that you love one another. Right? They will know me, Jesus. They will know me by the way that you love one another. So above all else, we will put on love. And finally, we're going to be a family of inspiration. Right? A family of inspiration. Because we have something beautiful to share. And it's not, there's two things, actually, that are beautiful to share. We have, first off, this community to share, but also, more importantly, we have the story of Jesus to share, right? A beautiful, beautiful thing to share, and what he has done for us and what he has given us. What's he given us? Well, he's given us salvation through his life and death on a cross. That's what he's given us. And here's the thing, in Romans um, Romans chapter 8, Paul has this moment of, of kind of celebration, an anthem of praise for what Christ has done, right? But then at the beginning of Romans chapter 9, he talks about this burden that he has. This burden that he has. In fact, I'm going to turn over there real quick. And I'm not sure if it's, I can't remember if it's on the screen. But Romans chapter 8 and 9, so he has this, this great verse of the believer's triumph, the triumph that we have as believers in Christ. And he goes on to say, um, For I am persuaded that not even death nor life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height nor death, or any other created thing, will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Like what a powerful, powerful thing. But then he says this in verse 1 of chapter 9. He says, But I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience is testifying to me with the Holy Spirit. So like he's giving, he's giving kind of authority to what he's saying, and he says this. He says that I have intense sorrow and continuous anguish, excuse me, anguish in my heart. Let me read that again since I messed it up, right? That I have intense sorrow and continual anguish in my heart. Well, what's he talking about? He's talking about the friend and the family that don't know this Christ he's talking about. This Christ he's talking about. But imagine if we had that burden in our heart and this beautiful community to invite them to and then all of that with the foundation of Christ as the bottom, as the foundational truth of it and this community that we're brought together. What a heart we would have for the next person that wants to step in to our community. What a beautiful thing that would be, right? What a family that would be. Now here's the other thing about family, right? When you think about your family, typically there's the two things you go to, right? The good times and the bad, right? The good times and the bad. And guess what? Family has those rough times, but those good times, 90% of the time, 95% of the time, trump the bad, right? So let's as a family be a family. Sound good? Now here's the thing. We again have a great story to tell, right? The story of Jesus, because he did this incredible thing for us, this incredible act. He gave up his life for us, right? Like he left the beautiful place of heaven and came down to earth 
to be amongst us and to be with us. And in, in that, knowing that he's going to give his life. And then he goes and he gives his life for each and every one of us in this room. There's not one of us that he didn't do that for. Every single one of us. That's an awesome, awesome story. But even more so, the night before he was to be crucified, arrested and crucified and taken, he takes his disciples up to a room, an upper room, and he sits them down and they're, they're eating and having a meal. And he shares this with them. He picks up the bread. Got to find it real quick. He picks up the bread and he says, all right, this is my body, which is broken for you. They're like, no, that's bread, right? He says, no, this is my body. It's broken for you. Take this in remembrance of me. And so he passes it around the table and then he picks up the cup and he says, this is my blood that is shed for you, right? And they don't understand what that means at that time. But he says, do this in remembrance of me. And then shortly after that, right, he'll be arrested, beaten, mocked, crucified, but that's not the end of the story, right? That's not the end of the story. It continues. He resurrects from the grave. He comes and he presents himself to multiple people that see him and he shows himself to them and shows where the nails were and where he was stabbed in the side and he spends time with them and then he ascends into heaven and he says, I will return. Like, what an amazing story for us to be a part of. And so today, here's what we're going to continue in our time of worship, all right? We're going to, the band's going to come back up and they're going to lead us through a song. And the first part's just going to give you an opportunity to come up and to take part in our communion table, all right? Our Lord's Supper. And again, there's a cracker that represents the body that's broken for you. There's a cup of juice that represents the blood that was shed for you. But this is an opportunity for you to be in a time of remembrance of what the Lord has done for you. Because again, that's the foundational part of this community. Right? That's where this foundation starts, is at Jesus and what He's done. And then we have a shared mission of guess what the Lord has given us this opportunity to share that with the community out there right he's given us that opportunity and so we're going to begin or finish today if you will with this time of remembrance of what the Lord's done all right so let me pray over us and then what you're going to do is you're just going to come up here and you can take that with you back to your seat and just prepare your heart and then take that as you feel led all right so father we just give this time to you Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, for what you've done for us and the life that you've given for us. And Lord, in this time of remembrance, we give it to you. But Father, also, we thank you that you brought together this thing called the church, this fellowship and this family and this community of believers. And Lord, may we spur each other on in encouragement and may we grow in that. But Lord, may we also spur each other on in transformation. Lord, allowing you to interweave into every part of our life and to become Lord of each of those areas. And so, Lord, today I just pray that in our time of remembrance, not only will we remember what you've done for us on the cross, but also, Lord, how you have just perfectly knitted all of this together right here. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. May this time be sweet for us as we give just, again, a time of reflection and a time of memory. Lord, we just thank you for this time. May you bless it.
just pray these things in your awesome name.